All right. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Molly's about to enjoy your kids for the next uh, hour and a half or so. Um, we, uh, <laughs> she says hopefully an hour or less, but we'll see. We'll see how quick you listen. Um, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, a few weeks ago I, I had mentioned that we come to church for a lot of different reasons, uh, a lot of different motives for being here, and, you know, we, uh, we have this special, wonderful day, Mother's Day, and uh, seeing some new faces, some family come in, and, and uh, exciting uh, to be able to share this day with you, and uh, one of the things that, you know, I thought no matter why we're here, uh, we can all agree, I hope, that if we leave here with our faith strengthened, then that'll be a good day. Would you agree? Um, but then, you know, I was thinking about this, <clears throat> and I'm, I want to get a little bit uh, philosophical here just for a moment. Everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. Uh, faith, according to what Scripture says, is the evidence of things unseen, um, which means that it would be impossible to live your life without some faith. Otherwise, you would only believe in what you could see and experience in this moment. Okay? You take that to the other extreme. What that means is, you, if you did not have faith, then you would not believe in anything outside of this room right now. You couldn't function without a sense of hope and expectation and understanding that there are things that exist outside of what you experience in this moment. Everybody has faith, but not everybody has faith in the correct object. And the object of our faith is... God and his son Jesus Christ and his promise of his word which says that if we claim him then we are saved and we have hope of eternal life so when I say if you leave here today with your faith strengthened I don't mean an ambiguous belief that God exists necessarily I mean the specific promises that God has laid out clearly in Scripture, guaranteed in Christ, implanted in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, and wants to remind you of every day, every moment of every day, and how you live your life. Amen? That's the faith that we're saying. We, we want to see that built up. John, as we get into his letter, um, he tells us that that is the, the promise it is the point, um, it is the hope of why he writes. He says in uh, 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Okay, know here is um, confidence. That you may know that you have eternal life. Everything he writes is to help us to have that confidence, okay? That faith 
early on in that passage in chapter 5, overcomes the world. When you leave here today, you, you, I hope and I pray, will have a sense of confidence that you can face the world and not cower and not bow and not cringe. Uh, you can stand confidently in the power of God. So let's stand as we read God's word this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, Christ means anointed one, it means the Messiah, the chosen of God for the salvation of the world, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, um, you guide and direct us into your truth that we might uh, have a change of mind and a change of heart, a change of life, and a, a new lease on hope that we might have the confidence of um, purpose in this world and eternity. That while we um, exist on the face of this planet, that you have given us a reason to be here, an eternal reason to help as many people as possible to know that they are loved by you and that they are loved so distinctly that you would be willing to die to rescue us from sin, condemnation, despair. Lord, help us, uh, help us to own that truly in our hearts. Help us to share that um, unashamedly. And Lord, I pray that today our faith would grow, that you would be glorified, we would be edified, that the world uh, would be changed, that all those around us would see the power of Christ lived out in a believer's life. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you give us the power of your spirit to be able to do these things. And we thank you for the Son who made it possible. So it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> every Christian... Bible-believing church um, that has any right to be a church is, is going to tell you what I'm about to tell you, which is that Christianity is a born-again faith, that it is a regenerated human being who is transformed in the very nature of who they are that has a hope of eternal life. Uh, it is not simply a religious person. It is not simply a person who attends church, although 
born-again people are religious and born-again people do attend church. Um, but there is a transformation. It's the, the planting of the Holy Spirit that changes your nature, makes you different. You are supernaturally a different person. That's Christianity. That's salvation. That's what God does. It's what he promises. It's what he guarantees, gives us the hope of eternal life. And nothing but that, right? You don't have that. It doesn't matter what you think or believe or adhere to or practice. If you don't have a born again, this is what he tells us. He says that we are born of God. We believe in Jesus, we've been born of God, and then we overcome the world. Now, there are two words in that passage. They both say believe, but they're two different words. Um, or they're the same word, but they're used in a different way. And here's what I mean. John almost exclusively uses the verbal form of believe, which means active. I, I don't just think something but I have made it a part of my life in terms of how I live my life, and it's changed me. That's, that's his uh, term that he's going to use almost exclusively for believe. That's the regeneration. But he also uses this term one time, and, and all through the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd letters of John, Revelation, he uses one time the word believe as a noun. And what that means is it's a thing. And here's something that is very important for Christians to understand about this word believe. We um, tend to use the same terminology to talk about some two things that are very different. Let me give you two words. You guys, <laughs> you have to be very patient with me. I'm going to explain semantics. Anybody like semantics? word usage and what they mean and stuff like that. I, I love that. Not everybody does. There's, there's two things. We say that a person is converted. And we also say that a person is regenerated. Converted and regenerated. Those are two different things. Um, conversion is this. Conversion is... Um, your mind changes. You can change your mind. You know that? You can change your mind about anything. You can, you can choose right now that you're going to change your mind about almost any given thing. You say, well, I used to think this way, but now I think this way. I used to believe this, now I, I believe that. I used to like this, now I don't like this. Uh, I used to drive Fords, and then I was converted to fill-in-the-blank. Chevy, okay. I used to drive Pontiacs, but now they don't make Pontiacs. <laughs> so it's a change of mind. You have a, a, uh, a place in that and how you choose what you're going to think or believe about a lot of different things. That's conversion. Now, stepping into church life, church world, what happens is uh, we see this all the time all the time. Uh, people will come into our church from a different tradition, different denomination, different history, family, life, whatever it might be, 
Um, and over time, they, if they stick around long enough, usually they'll be converted to our way of thinking, okay, as Baptists. And uh, what that means to us is that we try to, to remove as much as possible all the trappings of religion and make it really about a relationship with Christ and thinking biblically, and that's it, okay? But what that is, is a particular way of thinking, right? Not everybody thinks that way. And so over time, what happens is people, you know, as they hear and see and, and experience and rub shoulders with and have fellowship and worship together here in our church, uh, they can be converted to, you know, this way of thinking, this way of living life and doing, doing church, um, and that's, that's okay, and that's good. That's kind of what we want. Um, but there are a couple of things that happen here. One is that there are times where um, somebody will come in from a different tradition, and they're, they don't need to be converted because they come in and they say, this is the way I have always thought, right? I, this is, and they feel like this is home to them. It's like it's the, the moment that I walked into this church and heard the singing and, and uh, listened to the message, I was like, this is, this is what I've been missing or this is what I've been thinking. And wow, I found, I found my people, right? Here's, this is my people. Um, now, other people will come and from a different tradition and never convert. Never. I mean, they'll, they will attend for a decade and still be a Presbyterian or Lutheran or whatever. It's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm coming here because, you know, my church closed or because my family comes here and they, they'll sit in the pew and they'll listen. They'll agree with the basic tenets of Christianity and different things and enjoy, perhaps, um, but never, never agree that they, they've become what we are, right? And that's okay, because here's the thing. If you're brave, <laughs> you will say, what we are after is regeneration, not conversion to our way of thinking. Now, where there can be a problem is if you're not willing to be converted to the way the Bible teaches. That can be a problem. But if you're not necessarily at home with our way of doing church, and that's okay. Our, our hope, no matter where you come from or where you're going, is that you will experience regeneration. It's a bigger goal. Sometimes churches are more comfortable with conversion to our way of life than they are regeneration. As long as you speak our language and, and practice what we practice and do what we do and live like we live and think how we think, can, you know, the, the actual issue of regeneration is never on the table. And, and I'm not going to point any fingers because I don't really know details, but I do hear from time to time people will come and they will say that their church that they grew up in never talked about salvation never bro broached that qu question in people's minds. What do you do personally 
with the gospel? What do you have to do with the question of, is Jesus Lord? It's just conform. Conform to the way we do things, and that's okay. Now, here's, here's a problem, two problems. We've had this happen more times than I can bear. I, I, I hate this, hate it. People come, they conform for a little while, convert to our way of thinking, um, and they seem to have a life change. They seem to ch change the way they, they do life, think about things, seem excited, and then as soon as they get away from this environment and back into a different environment, we'll say the world, they conform back. They convert in their minds, but the, their heart doesn't change, and then they, they convert back. And you're like, what's going on? I thought they were a Christian. I thought they changed. I thought something happened there. And, and what's happening is what John actually tells us earlier on in his book. He says that they left us, they went out from us. And when he says us, he doesn't mean our church body. He means they left the faith because they were not part of us. If they were part of us, regenerated, they would not have left us. They wouldn't have left the faith. You can't because you're a different creature in your nature. Here's a couple of things I need to say about that real quick. If you are finding yourself conforming, converting back and forth, back and forth between Christian life and worldly life and godly life and sinful life, you just, you have a, you have a regeneration problem, not necessarily a conversion problem. You keep changing your mind back and forth, but your heart is the same. We'll get to that. How does that change? How, do you, how does your heart change? There's another issue, um, and I got to speak to this because uh, it's so heartbreaking and it's so prevalent. It happens so often that we raise our kids, right, in this environment, in the Christian environment, in a Christian home, in a Christian church, and we take them to Sunday school, and we bring them to youth group, and we, you know, we, we try to teach them all the Bible stories, and then all the different things, and we get to junior high, high school, really. High school is the place where things seem to just turn, turn bad. <laughs> Driver's license. Driver's license simply magnifies the issue. It is not the issue. It just gives a young person the freedom to now act according to what they believe. But here's what happens. They are conformed to Christian culture, but they're not conformed to Christ. When they begin to question, what do I believe? Do I believe this? I don't know if I believe what you believe, Mom, Dad. I don't know if I believe uh, or accept what the pastor's saying from the pulpit. I'm not sure if I believe that. So they, what happens is, in that moment of question, they become agnostic. They, 
they convert from Christian culture to nothing. Agnostic means I don't know, basically. I don't know. They say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if it's wrong. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it works because, you know, my uh, parents, they're not perfect. Or they're not even consistent. So um, they convert from Christian culture to nothing, and then they get into peer relationships, much more so than family relationships, and their friends are doing and saying and thinking and believing things that are evil sometimes. And then they go off to college where sky's the limit. For wickedness, and then endorsed philosophically by, I'm going to say, satanic teaching. Not always, but generally, um, I've been to enough school. <laughs> I've been, I've had enough schooling to know <laughs> there is a, an insidious desire, for whatever reason, to indoctrinate these young people into the worst liberal, and I'm saying that with the, the most amount of disdain, atheistic, worldly thinking imaginable. Liberal didn't used to be a bad thing. But the way that it's used in higher education. Okay. <laughs> so, this young person who was conformed to a Christian culture said, I'm going to be agnostic, not intentionally. They just didn't know. They just didn't know what to believe. Now is uh, being uh, shoveled into their life, uh, worldly, uh, lifestyle, thinking, believing, and they're still agnostic Basically, they don't know what to believe, and they continue on that path for years and years and years until a lot of times they have kids, and they say, I need to figure out what's going on with life. Hopefully, they come back. They had a foundation of faith uh, given to them that they can begin to build their life on. Hopefully, they come back to that. That's our prayer. Amen. They saw there is a potential for this, but I need to know what I believe. So here's... Here's the good and the bad. Are, are you still with me? There's this question that every human being in this world needs to ask. It is, is Jesus Lord? Is he Lord? Is he Lord at all? That is the basis of belief. It's the basis of conversion. It's the beginning, okay? Is he Lord? And the problem with the church, and, you know, we're pointing at ourselves here, is that we are so terrified to make people ask that question by how we talk, how we live, what we believe. We have to 
confront the world with the question, is he Lord? Does God exist? What are you going to do with that? But we, we've backed off. We don't want to convert anyone. Because that seems like that would be, what, intolerant? It would be a manipulation. I mean, if I'm not going to live my life in such a way that I truly believe Jesus is the only way to heaven, um, then I got a problem with me, right? So here's what I want to tell you, is that um, every Christian person needs to if you're a born-again believer, you need to, and I need to, speak and live in such a way that people have to ask, is Jesus Lord? And if those are hard conversations, and having spiritual conversations with people is like kind of difficult, then at the, bottom, the bottom line, I guess, or the, the lowest common denominator is, Bring them to church. At least invite them. If you're not going to have that conversation with somebody, we'll have it here. Right? We will say what you are afraid to say in your workplace. So tell them, I love my church. I wish you'd come. Just visit. And if you hear the message and you say, I don't agree with that, that's okay. I mean, it's not really okay, I mean, but, but you've had a chance to hear what you need to hear so that you have to ask that question. Over time, what our prayer is that that question will eat at you to where you have to answer it. You can't ignore it. You can't say, no big deal. You have to say, is Jesus Lord? If he is, guess what? You're still not saved. Who else believes Jesus is Lord and is not saved? James says that the demons believe that. That's, that. All you've done is you've converted in your mind to a truth. Now, how do you get saved? Now you have to ask the next question, which is, is he my Lord? Is he my Lord? And you've got to ask that and you have to answer that. And when you answer that and you say, yes, he's my Lord, then what has happened is now you've become a new creature in Christ. Amen? It starts with conversion. I believe Jesus is Lord. And then it ends up with regeneration. He's my Lord. And now here's spiritual growth. How much is he Lord? What is he Lord of? Unfortunately, um, a lot of the time, I don't know if this is an American thing, a 21st century thing or what, we are okay with Jesus being Lord of our spiritual life, and then we, we are going to manage the rest of it. So he's Lord for 10, 15 minutes in the morning while I'm praying and reading my Bible, um, but the rest of the day, it's mine. Uh, that, that's it's pretty weak faith, would you agree? Um, not very life-transforming, if that's all we're doing. He wants more than that. He demands more than that. You owe him more than that, don't we? 
So he says, if you want your faith to grow, um, here's the formula. He says, um, your faith has overcome the world. Faith overcomes the world. Build my faith. Faith is built by, what do you think that next word is? And fill in the blank. It's a bad word. You don't like it. We want it easy. We want it done for us. And it has been done for us. He, Jesus paid the price. Faith is built by obedience. You want your faith to grow? Start obeying what God's telling you in, in his word and by his spirit in your life. And your faith will grow. You sit around waiting for some outside environment to, you know, just encourage your faith. And hey, we want to have a great worship time, don't we? I want to praise the Lord and, and be inspired. You can walk out of this church in any great church week after week and have a weak faith if you don't obey what God is telling you in your life. Well, that have you ever heard this before? Church didn't work for me. You didn't, you didn't work it. You didn't work it. You wanted something to happen to you. And what happens is you get into an environment and you can become converted and then you have to make a decision to accept it. And then from there, what's going to happen is you're going to have to apply it. And faith will grow and your sense of overcoming the world will increase. The more in line with God's will and his word and his plans for your life are, the more you begin to believe and sense and feel on a daily basis that this world does not have a hold on me. I am accountable to a higher power. And if I am in his good graces, I'm not worried about other people. I love them. They don't control me. And the things of this world that are trying to trap me, they don't have a hold on me. I'm just coated in Teflon, I guess. I don't know. That's faith. So I'm obeying what God's telling me to do. And that means indestructible life because it's the life of Christ in you. Amen? Man, I don't know. How do you do it? I mean, that's the big question. How do you do it? And I'm just going to tell you this. Start with one thing. Do one thing that God is telling you to do. If you're struggling, okay, I'm not telling you to do everything, okay? Jesus says... Um, my yoke, my burden is light. It is easy. Why? Because he did it. He did it for you. But he doesn't just do it for you. Then he says, and I will be with you 
to the end of the age, and I will give you a comforter, I'll give you a counselor, I'll give you the Holy Spirit to be with you. So it's not you alone, it's not you just trying to tough it out and do your best, and I'm trying really hard. It's the Holy Spirit in you, it's the Word of God that He's given to you for your instruction, it is the family of God surrounding you, He's given you all these things, and He says, start by taking a step forward in faithful obedience and see how I will be with you. I mean, I tell you, every week that I get up here and preach, I am terrified. I, I cannot talk to you. The Holy Spirit has to help me to do that. That same Holy Spirit that can empower somebody to share the gospel can empower each and every one of us every day to take one step of obedience. Just do one thing that God's talking to your heart about. I, I thought, God, is there, some, is there a list of things that I need to tell them to do? Nothing. He gave me nothing, okay? I prayed and prayed and prayed over that. Like, God, I could, oh, I could talk about this. this uh, I don't know what it is. I don't, I mean, out of the however many hundred of people that have been in this church today, every single one of you has something different that God is revealing to your heart, showing you, opening your mind to in his word. And I don't know what it is. And I don't need to know. I don't need to explain it to you. You know. If the Holy Spirit's at work in you, you know. And you got to respond. Nobody can do it for you. For those who need to take that first step of accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior, if the Holy Spirit's at work in you, I cannot convert you to Christian faith. I can't regenerate you and nobody else can either you can't even do that yourself all you can do is accept it but if the holy spirit is talking to you right now then you know it amen you know it and you got to say yes and as a believer if the holy spirit is talking to you about a sin in your life or a neglect in your life or a plan that you've told God, I don't want to do that. You know it. And all you got to do is say, yes, I will. And I'm just telling you this. If you do that, man, you're going to see some new things start to happen. Amen? Father, we uh, give you all praise, glory, and thanks, God. You are a great God. Your Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and we are thankful for that. You make us feel bad when we need to feel bad, but you also tell us how to feel better because you told us if we confess, you are faithful. You will forgive and you will cleanse. You will remove sin as far as the east is from the west from us. And we can walk in peace. We can walk in confidence. Our faith can grow. 
And Lord, we pray that uh, we would shine a light <laughs> in a world that desperately needs to see the light. And you, <laughs> for whatever reason, have chosen to use weak, limited people like us to do great things. We believe that. Help us to live that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, the altar in our church is just a place for you to make a uh, particular, significant, physical um, recognition of what God's doing in your heart. It's not magical. It doesn't change anything. All it is is you saying yes to God and a decision is made to bow before the Lord. Amen? It's a place where things die. Pride, selfishness, ego. But it's also a place where things come alive, which is the Holy Spirit in you. So if the Lord is calling you to this altar, we invite you. Let's stand and sing. Mm -hmm.